You're listening to the Todd Rod God Pod, a podcast hosted by Pastor Todd Rodarmel and Drew Tilton, where we explore ideas of faith and what it means to have a sustainable spirituality. All right, welcome. First Todd Rod God Pod. Yeah, glad to be here. Glad we could do this. Yeah, I know, this is awesome. We've been talking about it for a while. Yeah, we have been talking about it for a while. And um, I'm Drew. I um, do a lot of creative stuff here at the church. And Todd, why don't you tell a little bit about who you are? Yeah, Todd Redarmel. I am pastor of Mountain View Church in San Juan Capistrano. Been pastor of this church for, seven, gosh, 17 years already. Yeah, and uh, Getting old. Gosh, man, I feel it. I feel it. I feel old. Um, yeah, for yeah. sure. But you look good. Hey, thanks. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that's really what counts. <laughs> that's what matters. Um, and what made you want to do a podcast? You know, I, I've been, um, I listen to some podcasts that I really like. And um, I've, you know, as I'm preparing messages every week, I've always got tons of stuff going on that I want to talk about. And I just feel like so much of it ends up on the cutting room floor and I never get to talk about it. So having somebody to talk about with would be great. But, but more than that, I just, I want to help people build a sustainable faith and a sustainable spirituality. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have views of God and of the Bible that aren't very sustainable because when they come up against other ideas or opposition, they either fall apart or they go to being really defensive and argumentative right? and their faith doesn't necessarily change along with them and mm. I, I really want to help I want to help people with kind of a developing faith it sounds with like. a developing faith and it's it should always be developing I mean my faith has been evolving and changing my whole life I became a Christian I was like I mean I grew up in a Christian family but I came to Christ like at a camp when I was 13 and since then I just think I, I've had so many different ways that I've known God and experienced God and like new things I've learned that overturned previous things that I thought I knew that it's like I I just want to help people do that because I think the key to sustaining a faith in God, just like the key to sustaining marriage, is you got to change together. You got, mm. you know, the person I married, I married my wife, gosh, I don't even know how long it's been now, almost 32 <laughs> years ago. And we'll edit it for the podcast. Yeah. Well, you know, she, she won't listen. <laughs> she won't listen. Um, but, but you, the, uh, you know, she's different than the young girl that I married. I, mm. I married some 19 year old and, you know, thank God that she's not the same and she's changed and I've changed and my view of her's changed and my views of myself. And so I think as our life evolves, we need to, we need to grow. So. Right. So really you would say it, because here, here'd be my first question, I guess, is you're not, you're not understanding it as though God's changing, but our understanding of his, him. Changing? Yeah. I mean, my experience of God is always changing right. and God is always doing new things and it's not that God is changing but I do think the way he reveals himself you know there's a progressive way that that happens in the scripture as as he reveals mm -hmm. his nature and as we come to know more of him and the Christian life is giving all that you know of yourself to all that you know of God mm -hmm. um, and as I learn more about myself and I learn more about God there's more of me to give to more of God love that and so to kind of kick off the podcast, we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines, spiritual life practices. Yeah, we started a series on um, practicing the way of Jesus. 
you know, there's, you know, people call it spiritual disciplines, but practices that can, you know, for, I guess the way, the way I defined it, even this last week, as I talked about it is, um, the way of Jesus, Jesus said, uh, even to his critics, I only do what I see the father doing, whatever the father does, the son also does. And it really is the key to his fruitfulness in ministries. He was always connected. He says that the father and I are one, he's one with the father, but he invites us into that oneness and in John 15 when Jesus talks about he uses this metaphor of the vine and the branches he says I'm the I'm the vine and you're the branches and as long as you remain connected to me you're going to bear much fruit and that's Hmm. how you show yourself to be my disciples and Jesus was fruitful in all of the things he did in the character that he produced because he was connected to God and as we stay connected to God you know through Jesus we keep that connection will bear fruit and change and produce the kind of character and outcomes that Jesus produced. And, and so spiritual disciplines are a way of practicing that way. It's like, how do you stay connected to God? And spiritual disciplines just are ways of... Like practicing how to stay connected to God. Yeah, like this week I'm talking about Sabbath, and it's like setting aside one day a week for rest and keeping the Sabbath day holy it's a way to set apart and sanctify all of your time that like, as I, you know, as I set apart one day to focus on worship and rest and connection with people and with God, it changes how I operate the rest of the week. Hmm. Um, so it, it, it gives me a place to practice, you know, like we're going to talk about solitude and silence. Solitude gives me a way to practice who I am before God when nobody's looking <laughs> and mm. how I, where I get my identity. Is it from performing for the applause of other people or is it for an audience of one? Solitude is a way of practicing caring about what God thinks above anything else and just being mm. alone with him. So, yeah, it makes me think of, there's that, uh, I think it's Dallas Willard line where he, he talks about spiritual disciplines being, um, Doing something beforehand so that I'm, I'm butchering it. Oh, doing something off the spot so that when you're on the spot. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, I used the analogy even this last week. I was thinking about, you know, after the tragedy of Kobe Bryant's death, I was thinking about Kobe and watching a lot of videos about just him and his mentality and like how he worked hard. And the guy just practiced all the time. Yeah. And I think. I think a lot of people approach Christianity as if kind of like the way they approach wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey. It's like, I, I'm a Christian, so now I'm like, Jesus, I wear a Kobe Bryant jersey, so now I should be able to play like Kobe. Like, you don't get that way right, it's a ridiculous unless you thought. practice like Kobe, right? <laughs> and, you know, you probably also need to have talent like Kobe. But right. then even though Kobe was so talented, it wasn't just that. He practiced. Right. And so we practice off the spot. So that in the game time situation, you know, we can come through. It's like Jesus. If you're like, well, I want to be able to forgive my enemies the way Jesus does from the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But if you can't forgive your friend or the person that cuts you off in the parking lot, (laughs) you know, on a daily basis, like how are you going to ever be at that kind of level where you can forgive people that are killing you? Yeah, like those small levels of spiritual disciplines can kind of help to uh, support you when a really, really hard opportunity to forgive someone comes up, you Mm -hmm. know. 
if I can't forgive the person in the parking lot, like you said, like, how am I ever going to forgive my dad who did this to me, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, those sorts of things. And so it, it kind of supports that in the little ways, you know, helps you be stronger in those those moments when you really, really need it. Yeah. And it's how everything in life works. Like you, you have to practice, like you're not going to get down and play some great concerto unless you've been practicing your scales right and then practicing you know the different notes and rhythms and all the other stuff so yeah i have a question i I was thinking because i mean and we'll get into this probably because sabbath was so controversial between jesus and the pharisees and you know really we understand the pharisees sin as being trading in god for religious practices you know and and not loving people in the same sort of way um, how do we approach these practices, these spiritual practices without becoming like a Pharisee? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the whole thing is just, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing and not missing the point. Hmm. Like the point is, and the reason I'm calling it practicing the way of Jesus. And I, I, I didn't think I invented that. I actually got that idea from John Mark Comer, hmm. um, who probably didn't invent it. Who either. didn't invent it either. <laughs> but but I the idea of the practicing is because it's don't you don't the practices are not the thing. They're right. a they're a way of practicing so that you can do the thing. It's like um and and, and it, it's like with the Pharisees, this idea of Sabbath as Jesus said, you know, God didn't make man for the Sabbath. God made the Sabbath for man. The Sabbath is a gift for us. Hmm. Like just as an example, a Sabbath is a gift for us to be able to rest and to enjoy our life and to, because we're not workers. We don't have, I mean, we are workers, we work, but our whole life isn't work and we don't have to Hmm. be slaves. And when you, when you make it about like all of the rules, as if it's about keeping the rules, it's, it's not about that. And it's easy for a lot of us to get caught up in, you know, you create a routine and, and then you get so obsessed with like, oh, shoot, I didn't do the this thing. It's not about the thing. The thing's a way of accessing something else. Right. And in this case, the, the something else that actually transforms us is God and his spirit. Like when mm-hmm. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, stay connected to me, you bear much fruit. Like the branch has life in it that comes from the vine and the spiritual practices are like a like the like a trellis that holds the the branch up and supports it while it's weak and while it's growing and helps train it so that it stays connected mm. to the vine and it's supported in bearing fruit and those practices support us in that way yeah you'd almost be like i I don't fast to get really good at not eating food right Right. you know like (laughs) that's not the point of fasting though i think it's kind of catching on as this like diet thing now but i fast so that i could connect greater with god you know with my father in heaven the way jesus connected with his father in heaven right so that by by denying your you know impulses like because my default mode is when i'm hungry i eat right (laughs) And so if I go against my default mode in something simple like I go, okay, well, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to let my stomach growl as a way of reminding me that, like Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God and hmm. reminding me that, God, I need you more than I need food. And the whole purpose of 
you know, the whole, I mean, at least one of the main points of communion is like, we need God like we need food. And he offered himself to us in a way that, you know, reminds us of that. So yeah, it's just ways of reminding us and ordering our, you know, our life, not by what we feel like or by our impulses or by our default, but retraining ourselves um, to practice connection to God. Hmm. And the point's being connected to God. Right. So if we're approaching spiritual disciplines, even for the sake of, say, transformation, what would you, like, is that wrong? Like, because say I'm approaching fasting because I want to be better at saying no to my appetites, you know, and I'm obviously trying to connect that to God, but ultimately my goal is even behind God. Like, what would you say about that? Is it, should I be approaching just God or? Yeah, I I think sometimes we can get, we can get lost in second guessing our motives behind stuff because I I think we all have mixed motives and we have multiple things. Like, do I work out because I want to look good or because I want to feel good or because I want to be healthy and live longer? Well, yeah, all of the above. Like they kind of do all of the above, but ultimately exercise makes me healthier and better in a lot of areas. And it's kind of the same thing. For instance, even this week, as I've been thinking about uh, Sabbath, like I think of all the things that I could do that would create emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, relational health in my life, like all of those areas. I think if I could do one thing on a weekly basis that would do that, I think it'd be Sabbath keeping. It's, it it has a way of transforming how we spend all of our time and keeping us connected to God in a way that transforms all of those relationships. So talk about that. Talk about Sabbath, because I mean, I think most of us who have been around church any sort of time have heard the word, maybe understand a little bit about it's about taking a day off, but I mean, maybe tell us the history of it. Like how did that come to be a thing? Well, the word itself means, uh, it's the Shabbat. It, it just means to stop or to cease. And, you know, when the, when the Bible was written, certainly the, the early chapters of the Bible, when they were put together, the whole thing's built around this rhythm of, you know, evening and morning, day one, day two, day three, and it gets to seven days. And on the, after six days of working, the seventh day is totally different than the other days. There's no evening and morning. It's just like this, this day where God, God rests. And then you don't see Sabbath anymore through the book of Genesis after that until you get into the book of Exodus. And all of a sudden God is, you know, giving manna from heaven, but saying, hey, six days a week, you can collect manna from the ground. And on the seventh day or the sixth day, collect double so that you have it for the seventh day. And then a couple chapters later, it's given as a command of like makes one of the top 10 commands that God gives it's when one he boils of the 10 it down. Commandments. Yeah, I mean, there's like 613 other like commandments in the you know Old Testament, but the top 10, the 10 commandments, one of them is keep the Sabbath day, um, mm. remember it and keep it holy because God set it apart. He rested on that day. And so we're called to rest. And then, you know, when it repeats Deuteronomy is like the second giving of the law. It comes back and repeats it. And it says it ties it not just to God's rest in creation and that God has set that example, but in that the people of Israel, when they were slaves, they didn't get any rest. They, in mm. Egypt, they worked a 10 day, um, work week and it was just 
again and again and again. So their weeks were broken down differently. Their weeks were 10 days long and there were three weeks in a month. And that was kind of how they lived. Other cultures did it different ways, but the Hebrew people were unique in this seven day thing and this rhythm of six days you work and on the seventh um, you rest. And they even built everything around sevens, like, you know, seven days you rest and then seven every seven years you let the whole land rest for a year. And then every seven sevens of years, there's like this jubilee where all the debts are forgiven and, Hmm. you know, land goes back to its original owner. And so these are rhythms that God builds in not only to creation, but to how his people live so that they remember that they're not slaves and that they shouldn't make anybody else their slaves. Like even, you know, your servants and your, um, you know, children and your animals get to rest on the seventh day. So, Hmm. so God sets it up as a, as a command and then the idea is just that we we set one day aside for for rest. Right. I was just thinking that's interesting that our whole like so probably our western 7-day week comes from that tradition. Oh, definitely. Yeah. In fact, in the French Revolution uh you know when they had the French Revolution they tried to do away with the 7-day thing cuz they thought they thought it was like this oppressive thing from the past of you know from our their Christian roots and um and it, they tried to, I think they tried to go to a 10 day thing and yeah. it just didn't, it didn't work. And it didn't catch on. Well, it didn't catch on. And, and we're produ- tired. Every productivity. Seven days. Yeah. It's like, come on, <laughs> you need to rest. Yeah. Help me understand kind of the shift because there's always this interesting shift from Old Testament things that uh, came about, you know, and were given. And obviously, this is one of the 10 commandments, which usually seems a little different than the rest of the commands that are in the Old Testament because there's some weird stuff that we don't adhere to anymore in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it makes this jump in the New Testament, and Jesus seems to approach it. I mean, it's coming up in controversy all the time. Like, he's always running up against the Sabbath law. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was some sort of misunderstanding there. What was going on there? Like, why did Jesus constantly butt heads with people like the Pharisees about the Sabbath? Yeah, well, you know, interestingly, Jesus, Jesus kind of set himself up as um, the rest of God. Like he, huh. when he comes on the scene, you know, in in Luke four, there's that that thing where he reads from the scroll of Isaiah about the year of jubilee, and that's the the year where after seven sevens of years, there's this year of jubilee. It's like uh, a sign of God's ultimate rest because. So like 49 years. Cause, yeah, because like we started in Eden in this this rest in the garden and God rests on the seventh day and and then all of that gets disrupted by sin and by slavery and by work. And even after the, after the fall, there's like people have to work by the sweat of their brow. But at least you get a day that's given as a, a command every after six days you work and then you rest. But that rest day is like a sign of the the rest that we look forward to the restoration we we call it the Hmm. restoration of all things that we you know we see where the bible culminates in the book of revelation and so when jesus comes he kind of like is like yeah i'm that in fact he he says in matthew 11 you know come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you give you rest Hmm. and so um so jesus is seeing himself as that and and he says, I didn't come to abolish the law. So he's not trying to throw out things like the Sabbath, but I, but to fulfill the law. But the way Jesus is fulfilling the law um, is always kind of like, you know, it's, it's disrupting a lot of the more religious people that are focused on the keeping of it. Because it's like when they looked at the Sabbath, they're like, um, 
there were the there were rabbis that said if if we could just get everyone to keep the Sabbath for one day, it would usher in that restoration of that huh. new age of God. And so they were just the Pharisees were they they get a bad rap, but they were good people just trying to like do it right. But what happened was Jesus was because he saw himself as that ultimate Sabbath and as that rest, he was. He was doing things that we read like in the prophecies in Isaiah that that point to that rest, like, you know, healing sick people or, you know, uh, raising up lame people or healing the eyes of the blind and uh, feeding people or, you know. uh, And so all of the things that Jesus is doing, like they're signs of the restoration of the real rest. Hmm. But yet these guys are seeing them, the, the Pharisees particularly, were usually seeing them as violations of the Sabbath because they got, you know, frankly, they got focused on um, the wrong thing, like the practice rather than the point. Like the point is to stay connected to God and the right. restoration and to point forward to the restoration. But they're like, no, you broke the rule, you know, and <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that still do that. Right, right. So you mentioned that it was this command that God gave us, but you also called it a gift at some point. Um, How do we balance those two things? Like to me, if I get commanded something, very rarely do I read that as a gift. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. if I'm having really good hindsight as I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, they told me to do that and it turned out to be a really good thing in my life or whatever, you know, but uh, I don't know. Talk about that a little bit because yeah, I mean, it might I, seem I, like a conflict. I, I, I know it might seem like a conflict for people, but I guess that's what when Jesus says the Sabbath wasn't made for man, but man for the Sabbath. That's kind of how, like, I, I'm I'm going. Or no, not the other way around. I think yeah. I said it wrong. Um, Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Right. You know, like it's it's for us, and because God knows we need rest, He knows we need to be connected to Him, and. And so it's he commanded it's, a, it it's commanded because it's good for us. Yeah. It's just like, you know, when he commands us, it, it's like, I kind of think of it as like when my, my grandmother goes like, eat all your vegetables, you know, right, eat all right, your dinner. Totally. It's like, it's command, but it's like, it's for my own good. And right. If, if right. I would just realize like, go to bed. Yeah. I, I don't feel like going to bed, but I need to go to bed because I know mm. it's good for me and I should obey that command. But it's also... Right. It's also a gift. <laughs> well, that's probably the best example, right? With uh, rest, if you're telling your grandson, Captain, to go to bed, he doesn't know that he needs to go to bed. Sometimes he probably doesn't want to go to bed, you totally. know, like, and you know that it would be good for him. You know that he's going to feel better, you yeah. know, if he takes that rest. And so you command him to go to bed. And once he gets to a certain I don't. Age, it's, one of the, it's one of the good things about being a grandfather. Is you oh, just, you don't have to do that. Yeah, the parents, <laughs> the, you leave that responsibility to all of them. Right, exactly. You just get the fun part. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, you know, like we get commanded to go to bed so many years that we learn the benefit of it so that we, in as an adult, can make that decision ourselves. You know, the, the training wheels are off in that sort of way. So it, I wonder if we could almost think about that command, like these training wheels that are helping steer us in a direction that shows – this is good for us, you yeah. know, and then eventually that we would just choose it. Yeah. Well, even even like, you know, where you have a, a job and they say you have to take off, um, you have to take all your vacation days or else they go away. Right. They disappear. And, and I think that's kind of how, you know, those commands are. It's like God, all the commands of God are for human flourishing. Like that's the point. Right. And sometimes we miss the point when we make it about the command and not about the flourishing. He wants Mm. us to flourish and he's commanded the things that 
that will make for human flourishing. Right. You know, right. For the most part, people are going to, you know, write in and bring up all kinds of weird commands in the Bible. That's a podcast <laughs> right. for another day. But yeah. These totally. kind of things are commands that help you flourish. Right. Yeah. I think the, the quick answer is that there's contextual commands and there's ones that, um, Anyway, they they're they're beyond um, context. You know, they're good for everyone, no matter where right, you're at. Right. You yeah, know? yeah. There are some things that are just good practice. Now, and and you may practice it differently in different places, which is why, like you know, traditionally the Sabbath is the seventh day. Sunday's the first day, so the Sabbath is you know Saturday, and so the Seventh Day Adventists have made a big you know thing about that that it has to be that day. Right. Um, you know, Jews have always done it that day. Christians, in a lot of contexts, have have celebrated on on Sunday because they call it the Lord's Day. And you know, we, when we look in the New Testament, we see that the Christians are meeting on the Lord's Day. And especially when we got right. out from Jerusalem and the Jewish, you know, context of it to where it was mostly Gentile, a lot of them kind of made the Lord's Day their kind of Sabbath day. The Lord's Day being the day that he rose from the dead, being yeah. on the third day. Right, right. The day that he rose from the dead, which interestingly enough, he was in the tomb resting on the Sabbath day. So sundown on right, Friday. Right, right. <laughs> you know, he died before sundown on Friday so they could get him down off the cross and he's mm-hmm. in the tomb resting on the Sabbath and he rises first thing, you know, yeah. in the morning on Sunday. So that that's kind of the point of the third day thing. and the Friday and the Sunday and right, right. You know, goes together. Well, this being a command, would you say that it would be sinful to not keep the Sabbath? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's definitely sin in the sense that like, and, and let me just by that caveat to f- say how I define, you know, sin, sin is it's this idea of missing or missing God's best for you, missing the mark. And yeah, you're missing what is best for you. by breaking it and it has its own punishment like people think oh you know because whenever they bring up the topic of sin they think oh god's gonna strike me down with a lightning bolt (laughs) like that's not how he does things um at least not in normal ways normally the way god judges sin is by letting us do it and Mm. letting us experience the consequences of it and sin is its own punishment if you're going to break the sabbath you're going to be more stressed out your relationships are going to be disordered. It's going to be harder to connect to God. You're going to be working all the time and you're going to burn out. And burnout is the judgment for breaking the Sabbath. It's like, right. you know, sin is its own punishment. God doesn't need to intervene supernaturally sure, in order to punish sure. you. He's just, he's told us what's good for us. Now, that's a good way to think about sin. I mean, I think this is a worthwhile caveat the idea that yeah that we're going to get somehow smited there's so much shame surrounding sin like that and and even that we as as humans somehow need to be the the reckoner of sin you know like we need to be the the grim reaper that goes around and picks up people that have been sinning you know all that thought process generally isn't true you know no i mean for most sin like you don't need to like it's like rubbing your dog's nose in the poop. Like it, you don't really need to. Do right. It. <laughs> it's a gross habit anyway. It really like, is. It's like, why would you do that? And then let the dog lick your face. And yeah. All that? It's oh. just gross. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Interesting to think about sin from that perspective is, you know, just really trying to remove the, the shame a little bit and just in the showing it that it's like, Hey, this is just following in line with what's best for you or not. And when you don't, 
you know, that's the idea of sin. You're missing that mark. I've heard too once, I forget where it is in the Bible, but somewhere in the Bible, there's that passage where it says God released them to their desires. Or, yeah, it's Romans 1. I mean, yeah. basically it says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the unrighteousness of people that suppress the truth. And and it's basically that God gives them over to what they want. He's right. like, I'll let you do what you want and right. you'll experience your own and that's the worst thing for us. It's, it's the almost, worst. Like, it, yeah, it's like a kid getting candy for dinner. It's a kid. Okay, if all up, you want is candy, right? Eat your candy, stay up all night, see right. how you feel tomorrow. Play video games all night, you know, like, and it's just handing them over to the sin, almost as a way maybe to help them come back. Hopefully, to yeah, God. hopefully, like that's yeah. the idea, and that was what the point of Romans is: is that there are things that we can know from just observing creation and the order of things and wisdom and you know we can know certain things about god through that but then there's the revelation of god that only came through jesus that you know anyway that's a whole right point right. about romans but yeah what would you say for somebody who wants to start practicing the sabbath how do you start with that what do you do with your time like is it just i sit at home and watch netflix all day is it like is there a special way to do the sabbath yeah well here's the thing like i I don't know if anybody ever sits home all day and binge watches Netflix and then feels rested afterwards. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. But I, I just came off of taking a month, kind of a mini little sabbatical. It's kind of an extended Sabbath rest where I stopped working and I, and I just dropped my normal responsibilities and tried to practice some of these new practices of, you know, solitude, silence, being with God, Sabbath. And, and I've been incorporating it into my life because what happens is I was burning out. Hmm. I, I was, I was taking a, uh, I used to have a Sabbath on, on Mondays and I was pretty, I guess you could say religious about it in that I blocked that day off. I didn't take calls. I just turned my phone off and disconnected from work and I'd follow up with people after, you know, sunset on that day. I'd start the night before and I did that for a while, and then when I, I started babysitting my grandson on Friday, I changed my day off to Friday. That's in air quotes, by the way. Yeah, I did off. air quotes, right? <laughs> yeah, you couldn't see that. Um, I, ch I changed and made my day off Friday, uh, and then tried to do a bunch of other stuff with it, and then I got jump on my week by working on my message a little earlier to try to get done so I wouldn't be doing that on Friday. And basically, after about a year and a half of that type of a schedule without actually keeping the Sabbath day holy as a day to rest and to worship and to not work. I let work creep back in. And, you know, over time of that, I was, I was tired and I mm. needed a more extended Sabbath rest. So I, it's kind of like a reboot to try to restart. And for some people, they may need like a longer break like that. But even if I took, you know, 30 days, God gives you actually 52 a year. 52 days. Right. You know, if you'll just take it every week. Totally. And that's, you know, people go, wow, 52 days. That would be, wouldn't it be nice to have like a 52 day sabbatical? Well, you get it. You get it. It's, it's spread out. <laughs> mandated. So just take it. Yeah. But you have to actually um, reorganize your life to do it. And so mm. the, the thing I would say for people, if you're going to take, want to incorporate a Sabbath is, you know, plan, plan for it. Like, Right. Plan ahead so that you do your work on other days and set apart a day where you're just 
have time to to rest to turn off your phone i mean that's that's the mm-hmm. biggest thing like we've got these these phones in our pockets that they buzz and they notify us and they have little red circles with numbers in them that, <laughs> that keep bother the crap out of you bothering us to, until yeah. we got to deal with it and it's like the good thing about a, a day is you can do it like i know you won't feel like you can do it but just put your put the world away and drop out of society for a day hmm. and for me that's what like this that month in january i pretty much just dropped out of society <laughs> and it was you know it, it was boring but it was um it was helpful to sort out and kind of decompress and detox from just we're just always on high alert and busy and running and always on to the next thing and 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 creating a rhythm of like one day a week i rest and you say that doing i mean doing rest sounds funny but like really truly resting would that take the shape of whatever that particular person finds restful yeah i think i think so i mean you know traditionally you can start the sabbath like people in in jewish tradition they start on the night before because it's like from that genesis passage where it says there was evening and there was morning the way the way the ancient you know hebrew mind conceived of a day it begins at sundown in the evening before and so for me you know reordering my sabbath the way the way i do it i i don't even take it on the seventh day on saturday i take it on my seventh day which is like the culmination of my work week is sunday because i right. preach on sunday and so it really makes sense for me for my rest day to be at that culmination after that. But Sunday night, I'll power down my devices and put them away. Yeah. Um, after I follow up and do all the emails and set my appointments for the week and whatever I need to do, <laughs> then I do that and I, I'm out of touch for a little bit. And right. I'll start with a, a meal and sometimes we do family dinner. Sometimes it's just Tracy and I um, or with friends. But, but to start... And then to just have a leisurely day where you can play and go for walks and do things that you find delight in and enjoyment in, you know, pray. There's a lot of these spiritual things that you could, if you had a day a week to practice that, you could make some good progress. Right. Yeah. So it's just, just a day to rest. Yeah. And not to try to do all your housework on that day. You know? <laughs> totally. And catch up on all your shopping. Like, in fact, I'd say... Don't go shopping. One of the things that I found this Monday when Tracy and I took the day together and we got up and we walked to, uh, we were, we were going to go for a, a hike, but then we, we ended up walking downtown San Clemente. We just moved down to San Clemente. And so we're walking around. I, I would not, I don't think it's a great idea to necessarily like walk around town window shopping. It's like, but because I just downsized and like purged and got rid of everything and I don't really need anything and I kind of detox from it we could walk around downtown and not feel the need to buy anything <laughs> yeah because <laughs> like I, you know don't it's not like sit on and go on your computer and like go shopping because basically that's what you're doing on your computer too is you're just seeing right. ads even if you're just on totally. Instagram you're getting like ad- I don't know for some reason they find all the stuff that I really want and they feed ads well, to me about they're it listening to they you, are Tom. always listening <laughs> they're probably the only people I wish more people would, would yeah would listen, would listen they can me. listen less everybody else can <laughs> listen more um, yeah it's interesting and it's really interesting you're kind of touching on something like rest in technology and how technology is actually it 
it seems like I hear, I don't, I haven't checked up on it, but it seems like every time I hear about a study or something, it's, it's how technology really doesn't provide rest the way we think it does even, or the way we feel it might, you know, like whether it be television, your phone, social media, like you said, shopping online, like all those things require a lot more of your brain as it turns out than we really realized, you know, it kind of keeps a switch on that it's good for us to turn off. Yeah. You know, quite often. Yeah. And it keeps you just on high alert all the time. And for me, like in that um, month that I took as that rest, I, one of the crazy things that I stopped is I actually had to stop reading all right. And people were like, what do you mean? Stop reading. And I'm like, well, I read a lot. And if I'm not reading a book, I'm reading blogs and I'm reading, you know, I'm just looking at my phone and going through scrolling through Instagram or, you know, reading emails, all, all of the things that like, I just think about input, constant input. And, mm. and there's never a time when I'm not doing that. So if I sit down ever, and it feels like, okay, I'm sitting down to rest, but then I'm scrolling through my phone. And maybe that's why my thumb has such arthritis from scrolling. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it's that. But, um, but, but yeah, like it's, it's not exactly rest. And, and I realized I had to pretty much stop reading to be able to just sit and be. Hmm. To be without trying to do something, trying to accomplish something, trying to know something, trying to find out about something, look into something. Right. It's like, how do I just present myself to God and just be right here? Hmm. And I guess that's the thing I would say is Sabbath would be a day to move from, from doing to being. Oh, I like that. And there's nothing you really have to do. You just be. <laughs> yeah. And then if you want to do something, do what you enjoy, but be careful thinking that what you enjoy is the things that you do the rest of the week because right that's part of what makes a sabbath restful is that it's different hmm. and that's part of what makes i mean that's what means that it's holy you know god says keep the sabbath day holy he has set it apart and right because holy just means set apart means set apart means different from all the rest and so how can you keep that day different from all the other days and, and that I think is what makes it, um, restful. Yeah. And how would you say that it actually, cause you mentioned it before that it alludes and sends ripples throughout your week. Um, how does, how have you seen Sabbath when you're practicing it intentionally? How have you seen it impact the rest of your week and kind of that? I don't know. I liked how you said shifting from doing to being, how do you see it helping you? make that shift in your everyday life, right? Because even in you, you kind of expanded it outwards, rest once a week, rest once a month, a year, whatever, you know, but if we even narrowed it down each day, we're supposed to be taking rest, yeah. right? Well, here, here's the funny thing. I like the, I, I told a couple people this, but there's a, um, there's this, this pause app. I mentioned it at church and then Ryan mentioned it, but uh, John Eldridge and uh, Ransom Hart, ministries put out this app called pause mm. and it's based on a book that elders got coming out. Uh, I forget the name of the book, but, uh, it's coming out next week. The app is like a way of practicing. It does these one minute pause, three minute, five minute, 10 minute, and you kind of go through and there's basically three parts to this pause, mm. whether it's the minute or the 10 minute. 
And it's the first is, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. It's a way of just releasing responsibility, control, worry. You know, the Bible would call it casting our cares on Mm. God. Um, Eldridge calls it in his book, Benevolent Detachment. It's like, it's not like not caring about things, like a kind of a, a Buddhist way of like getting rid of desire. It's, it's basically just giving those desires to God and going, God, it's not that I don't care. I do care about all these people, but I, I, I entrust them to you. And it's a way of surrender. Yeah. And then the second part of it is Jesus restore my union with you, with the father, like that whole vine and the branches thing that I was talking about earlier, restore my union with you. Mm. And then the third part, fill me with more of you. And it's, it's just a way of like this, this pause to just restore your faith. But for me, what it is, is it's like a one minute Sabbath or a three minute Sabbath. It's like, do I take time to stop during the day and do that? And of all the practices I practiced over that month, I think this is the thing that's been most, I guess, on a daily basis, influential. And it's it's that, and it's funny to say this, but like when I go to the bathroom, <laughs> I, I used to always read. Like my dad, right. in, in his bathroom, like he had a bookshelf in his bathroom uh-huh. and he would read and his Bible was always on the back of the toilet and he would always read his Bible. For me, I used to do that and then I kind of had graduated to like magazine in the drawer, like an outside magazine or something like right, that. Right, right. And then when I got Instagram, it's like now, wow. then it was like just I scroll through Instagram when I'm on the toilet. Totally. So if I'm ever commenting on somebody's Instagram, it used to be, it's not anymore uh, <laughs> that I was on, on the toilet. But but what I did in this, this season, it's funny, is I just said, okay, I'm not going to bring my phone in the bathroom. I'm going to sit and be quiet and practice the pause. <laughs> right, right, totally. And so I started practicing that pause and it's like, it's weird how much like, in all the hours of the day, like there and in like waiting in line, waiting at a stoplight, all those like in between times when you're doing something like for me, my mind, I've always like, it's like, I got to always be having something in front of me. And I don't, I didn't realize how addicted I was to always like either reading or scrolling or thinking or whatever. But it's like when you realize, Oh, there are these moments in your day that you can redeem and you can rest. Hmm. And live more rested because you're just, right. you know, taking a breath to reconnect to God. You know, the, the moments before a meal or hmm. when you pour yourself a glass of water, like so much of my life, I'm always going and I'm moving from one thing to the next yeah. thing to the next thing to the next thing. That to take those little breaks... I don't know, creating those rhythms in my day and in my week and in my year. Well, what I like what you're really saying is uh, you created a reminder around it. You know, yeah. almost like I, I've heard somebody describe it. <clears throat> um, they would always remember to slow down when they went over the speed bumps that were, you know, leading up to their house, you know, where they were going, they knew this street had speed bumps. So whenever they went over the speed bump, it would be a reminder for them to slow down. And so I I think as I've talked about it, I've thought about them as these speed bump analogies, but uh, these things that you do every day that you're going to do no matter what every day, right. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it be go to the bathroom or drink a glass of water or, you know, like, we eat so we pray before we eat as you know and it's Mm -hmm. a good marker for us to remember like 
hey, I should connect with God here. You know, it's a good reminder for me as I've been running throughout my day. But finding those things that will remind you to take that pause. Yeah. You know, and building those into your life. Well, because then you habituate them. Because that's the thing. We don't, transformation uh, doesn't come through more information. Like you're not going to listen to this podcast and be transformed or read a book and be transformed. A transformation comes through habituation. Like whatever Mm -hmm. becomes habitual in your life actually starts to shape your life. Right. So if you, if you work out, it actually starts to shape your body. The way you eat, you know, actually starts to shape your physical body and the, the things that you practice repeatedly, they just become default. They get, you know, they get grooved in your brain and they become default. And so the way that we, you know, put ourselves in a position to be transformed is we have to start to incorporate practices that reconnect us to God because, you know, like Jesus said, if we're connected to the vine, then we bear fruit. And so the more we can put practices in our life that help us to sustain that connection, and especially when they become habitual, then yeah. it would begin to change and we change over time. And, and so even like the rest, like I, I shifted my morning prayer to, you know, for my first cup of coffee and I, I usually have two or three, but my first cup of coffee in the morning while it's brewing, I make my bed, which is a whole new habit. And again, it's, it's a habit, a habitual thing that begins to just shape how you order. And for me, it was about like creating order in my world. The first thing in the day, accomplishing something. But then my first cup of coffee, I sit and pray and I don't read or look at my phone or look down at, you know, my email or anything else until I just spend that first cup of coffee in prayer without any of those things. And that's been a shift from my normal default pattern. And so I've had to change habits to make that happen, but it's a, it's been a refreshing habit around this idea of just resting in in God. And you're not just going to stumble into it really. Right. No, it doesn't happen automatically. You've got to be intentional. Yes. Absolutely. This has been great. Was there more that you had to say? You had all those notes. Man, I don't think I, you looked at them once. Uh, no, I, I, well, I, those are notes from my sermon. So it's, oh, it's okay. nice to uh, get to talk to you about this ahead of time and you know process right. stuff that totally. I'm going to say on Sunday because yeah. we're, we're recording this ahead of time. Yeah, so. I know. It'll come out after the sermon, but yeah. we, you know, we record it beforehand. and so I love it. It actually helps me process my thinking on, uh, on some of it. So Good. Yeah. Good. Well, super excited to continue this journey. Thanks uh, for doing it, Drew. Yeah. No, the podcast is going to come out every Monday, so you guys be on the lookout each Monday. Um, it'll kind of, sometimes it'll coincide with the sermons. For this series, it will for sure. And then other times we might go a little off script, do something different. Yeah. Um, if any of you guys out there, you know, don't go to our church and you want to listen to the sermons too, you totally can. There's a Mountain View Church podcast. I think if you search Mountain View Church Todd Redarmel. Yeah, that's probably the best way to find it. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. Mountain View churches out there right, that are totally right. unrelated to us. We're the one in San Juan Capistrano, California. So if you search that, you can find uh, some of the sermons, and that that would probably be some content that would you know kind of fit with the podcast sometimes. And anyway, great. Yeah, well, great. Well, we're super thankful. We hope that this helps you guys have a a more and more sustainable spirituality, and that God would use it that way. So yeah, and I hope that you will. Set aside time to practice. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, well, well, maybe to close this out, what would be 
your quick and easy. Here's how you start practicing. Pick and a you, day. Pick a day. Set aside. Turn off your phone. Uh, get some rest. And and if you can't get a whole day, do a half a day to start. Like right, again, because right. it's not about the rule. Yeah, it's about the practice. Then you need it. So totally. Like, and a half day is better than no day. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Start, start, start where you are. Totally. Cool. All right, guys. Well, we'll talk to you soon. See you later. Mm-hmm.